Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Listen! And welcome to NBC, IGN's Nintendo podcast. I'm your host, Casey DeFridis, and this week we will be talking about Paper Mario, the Origami King, the best games to play in the summer, and a whole lot more Nintendo stuff. This week I am joined by Zach Ryan. Hey, everybody. Tom Marks. Hello. And Seth Macy. Hello. Hey, guys. How's everyone doing? How was your 4th of July? It was good. I I didn't eat any hot dogs, which was disappointing, but... (laughs) I didn't either. Yeah. I, I did. heard a lot of fireworks. I yeah, did too. too. I also heard fireworks at three o'clock in the morning last night. I was super happy about that. <laughs> I feel extra festive. Extra festive. But my goal on Fourth of July was to get a sunburn, and I am sad to report I did not get one. Hmm. Not my best efforts. But anyway, it's, you know, you know how much priorities have shifted when that's the goal. <laughs> it's like it's not it's not Fourth of July unless you tend to accidentally spend too much time in the sun and get sunburnt. But because there are no festivities, I didn't have a lot of uh, I don't know reason to stay outside of the sun. So I got bored <laughs> and inside before I reached my goal. I hmm. hope everyone else's Fourth of July was more exciting than mine. It was but, good. Yeah, yeah good. And speaking of the summer, Fourth of July kind of like kicks off summer for me. It's hot in some places, kind of not here. It's 70 hot. I don't know. It's up to you. (laughs) But let's talk about the best games on the Switch that remind you of summer. I'm looking for games with summer vibes. And then we can also talk about some games that remind you of one of your past stereotypical summers. Um, Guys, what are your what are your favorite games that give us give off summer vibes? Hmm. I think I think Tom is frozen. No, no, I'm not frozen. Back. I'm frozen in thought. He's just frozen he's in thought. Just, I'm very unsummer like Tom. The, the the one that sprang to mind immediately that you've already got on this on, on a little list you put together uh is Super Mario Sunshine, right? Like that game is just like I mean it's in the the summer vibes of the sun are in the name essentially, but also just like man, the way they crafted Isle Delfino and like Delfino Plaza and all of the really lovely little beachy environments in that game is there's not there's not much better that captures that feeling in a game especially in that area like the little like market area which has like all the fruit stalls and like mm-hmm. uh, I I just love the vibe of that game so much that was the first game that popped into my mind when I was thinking about it. I was like what game reminds me oh, of yeah. summer 
And it was definitely Super Mario Sunshine. Oh, Seth, what do you think? Oh, obviously it's Wave Race 64. You're out there <laughs> on the bay. Okay. You're jumping, you're jumping your jet ski over waves and ramps and things of that nature. It's a cool and refreshing way to spend a, a hot summer's day <laughs> out on the water. Who who could complain? Nobody. Yeah. That's who. I'm, I miss beach visits, I gotta say. What about I, you, Zach? I mean, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker at this juncture. Uh, <laughs> pro- possibly the most summertimey game. You can play out on the open sea, get out there and do a nice sail. Love that game. trying to think of some more and i mean we have to mention the animal crossing new horizons recent summer update have any of you guys played that i have not dipped back into it yet sadly yeah Yeah, i've I've dropped off animal crossing very hard but i i was very happy to see it very happy to see it and we had actually um on the wiki steam we had actually just deleted some of our like swimming and diving pages like oh like this isn't included and then it immediately came back with this update but it's fine like you can just undo it so it's okay but that's good uh, for those of you who don't know there's a new summer update in animal crossing that lets you swim and collect stuff like sea stars and seashells and scallops and all of that the good kind of summer stuff that you do (laughs) i don't know like scallop i don't know what to call it hunting scallop hunting you would call it fishing Scallops gathering. Gathering. gathering, I think. Chucking? Well, you Shucking. chuck. Well, you, you can either dive them for them or you can them. drag for them. So there's two okay. different ways to do diving. It in diving real for, life. Diving for scallops in real life is extremely fun, and I highly recommend it. Chucking them is very difficult. Don't. I don't recommend that. But you can kind of you can kind of do that in Animal Crossing now, and have some. What are you What are you making those looks for, Zach? This is a weird show. This I'm sorry. Guys, <laughs> nice. we got to talk about scallop sh- shucking. Oh, I got all excited. We're like, oh, we're talking about talking about commercial fishing. This is where I get to shine. <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking of all the weird summer stuff I do in Florida that involves the beach and sea creatures. Fair enough. Come on. <laughs> Animal Crossing is a great place to do that. You can hang out with your friends and go and pick up sea stars off the floor of the ocean without actually disrupting animals' lives. It's a great, it's a great uh, I don't know, replacement for summer stuff. Yeah, And then uh, I also wanted to mention Summer and Mara because it has Summer in the title and it also just came out. What is that game? I don't know what that game is, Summer and Mara. So how do I... I actually haven't played it, so I can't give you a good personal rundown from what it seems you play Mm -hmm. um, on an island and it's an adventure game, relaxing indie. It looks cute. Yeah, it's got got, uh, the same sort of vibes as like... Mm -hmm stardew valley harvest mooney sort yeah. of stuff not not specifically the same type of gameplay but you know that that sort of feeling okay <laughs> cool that sounds good so those are i guess the only games you could really think of that give good well, summer vibes so, so here's, here's the question i have yeah is mario and sonic summer olympics two oh, on there the you note? go no it, it has summer is, in the title is, is that like too direct i don't know somebody's got to hold the olympics tom i mean <laughs> In 2020, if, if Tokyo can't do it, Mario and Sonic are going to step in and do yeah. it for you. There you go. Makes sense. I got it. I got the game. I was also thinking of non, some Nintendo games that have summer vibes, but mm-hmm. some of you guys might scoff at me to mention this, but Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball, great <laughs> summer game. You just hang it out. Forget, I always forget that that's like one of your go-tos, Casey. <laughs> I, I really like that game. I mean, if you're just hanging with your gal pals. Uh, doing beach volleyball and pool games and stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd want to go on that vacation. Who wouldn't? But that's just me. It's fine. I have... 
whatever. All right. <laughs> no, it's the judgment-free zone. No one here is judging you. Yeah. It's I'm got a judging lot of collectibles. A I'm judging a little bit. I'm, I'm I know Zach's judging writer. a little bit. It's got bit. tons of collectibles. It makes sense. It tracks. You can also ride a jet ski. I mean, See, I know. now I didn't know this. Yeah, you ride jet ski. Dead or Alive okay. Beach Volleyball. Also, too. let's not forget about the butts. Yeah, there's also butts <laughs> in that game. And uh, I'm... There's secrets that I won't mention on this show, but I'm sure you can easily look it up and it regards on what age you set your character to. Secret in the butts. Secret. <laughs> Secret stuff. But For all you naughty volleyball fans out there. I did have another question for you guys. So those now are who's making a have... face, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> So those are games that give off some summer vibes that I wanted to ask the panel. What game reminds you of your most stereotypical summer? Like, what do you think of summer? Like, what game comes to your mind? Seth, I know that you had an answer. Let's take it back to the summer of 1999. A young airman first class, Seth Macy, had just returned from a four-month deployment to Tirana, Albania. He had a lot of money in his bank account because he had been prohibited from spending his money due to the fact that he was living on a camp in Toronto, Albania. So the first thing he did was he bought a JVC 27-inch CRT television set, Nintendo 64, and a copy of Ocarina of Time. And I had two weeks off, and I sat in my dorm room, and I played Ocarina of Time basically the entire time because everyone else still had to go to work. Um, I will always uh, associate that game with summer because of just like that was in July of 98. And I will also at the same time, they had a 4th of July festival on base called the Freedom Fest, which was set up with carnival rides. And this was just as Lou Bega was uh, breaking into the music scene with a little ditty called Mambo Number no. 5, which they played on the merry-go-round over and over. So I also think of Ocarina of Time and Mambo Number no. 5 uh, <laughs> basically as the same thing, because I could hear Mambo Number no. 5 going on constantly while i was playing through <laughs> ocarina of time that's a weird association mambo number that five with ocarina if you hear it 700 times in the course of two <laughs> weeks while you're playing ocarina of time you will always get a little bit of monica in oh gosh oh, yeah why do you hate lou vega the guy brought the, it's it's all song. of Europe together it's not that I hate Lou Bega. It's just that that is one of those songs that as soon as it gets in your head, it's it's there to stay. Like there's just no getting around. It, it. is. Mm. Yeah. I apologize to everyone who's now cursed with this affliction. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm with Zach now. It's stuck in my head. You're totally right. <laughs> yeah. I know. I don't make it's the a rules. Good song. Come on. It's still a good. It's still a good it's song. catchy little song. It took the world by storm. <laughs> All right, Tom, uh, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what game reminds you of your most Mama number five. Oh. Did you say Mape? Yes. Um, well, A, that story is great. Like, that is genuinely a wonderful story. Um, for you. me, probably the easiest answer is Smash Bros, right? Like, okay. That was that was the game me and my friends just like would play constantly, right? And like, the thing we do a lot when I was younger, too, for like, whenever we had the time or the people available, which was usually summer, uh, was like we would have in one room, everyone playing or four people at a time playing Smash Bros. But we'd have like five or six people over or like hanging out or whatever. So in the other room on the computer, we'd have Heroes of Might and Magic, usually two or three, right? Like one of the early Heroes of Might and Magic games on Hot Seat. 
which means that you couldn't you couldn't be in the room while someone else was taking their turn because everyone was playing against each other and just sharing a computer. So we'd have the hot seat going. And if we had five people, we'd have four people playing Smash Bros. And then whoever wasn't whoever's turn it was in Might and Magic would be in the other room taking their turn. And then they'd come out and just swap controllers with whoever's next turn it was. They'd go into the next room, play heroes, and like we'd keep playing Smash Bros. in that room. This so that like was a like a super fun summer. No, it's great. And and we did that a fair amount. Um, so Smash Bros. is always a good vibe to me, but also just like the other sort of later in my life place that summer gaming takes me is like League of Legends, which is not on on Switch, but any any sort of game that is like one of those things that just requires investment, right? Yeah. Like MOBAs or something like Warframe or like any, which is on Switch, any of those sorts of games that just take brain power and take you learning like a Rolodex full of abilities and items and strategies. I always think those games, those games remind me of just like, this is going to sound depressing, but I don't mean it that way. But like having the time to actually yeah. invest in them, you know what I mean? It's like, man, I do not have time for a mover right now. <laughs> Zach, what about you? Um, the first game that comes to mind is Banjo Kazooie. Um, hmm. I I don't know I don't know specifically why that is the game that that popped into my head, but I do feel like I played that game a lot one specific summer. So uh, yeah, I, I would say that that that's probably at the top of my list for summertime games. Well, for <laughs> me, my my real answer is Monster Hunter, but that was Nintendo at the time. So my other answer is Mario Party Two. Because when I was about, I must have been 10 and my neighbor was 12. And every day I would carry over my Nintendo 64 to her house and we would play Mario Party 2 every day for like two months. And (laughs) I got very, very good at Mario Party. And to this very day, I'm still quite good at mini games. I think I say so myself. It was a very fun summer. Was two the one that destroyed people's joysticks, or was that one? Uh, I believe that was All the of first them? one. No. Okay. Well, yeah, I think, that, that, I, think was the, I think it was the very first one where they sent out those weird gloves. Yeah. But, yeah oh yeah, my yeah. goodness. Okay. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so we just talked about some games that give us summer vibes and games that make us nostalgic for summer. Now let's move on to our next topic: Paper Mario: The Origami King. Zach has played a ton of it. And if Mm -hmm. you're watching this on Thursday, his preview, our final preview on IGN, just released for it. Zach, what do you think? Uh, Yeah, that sure is a Paper Mario game. Um, (laughs) You know, I I think that... Well, okay, so here's the thing. (laughs) I like like what I've played. I've played about nine hours. I'd say I'm probably about one-third of the way through the game, if I had to guess. Um, So... I like what I've played, uh, but I also, I like Paper Mario games, right? Like, I don't necessarily feel like this one breaks the mold. Um, and I, I say this in my review, but I think the interesting thing or or the thing to consider about this game compared to some of Nintendo's other offerings on the Switch is like, uh, you know, I, I feel like Nintendo has done a really good job of either redefining or sort of offering up the best version of uh, an established franchise, right? Like Luigi's Mansion 3 doesn't 
stray too far from the the two previous Luigi's Mansions before it, mm-hmm. but it is a much better paced and a much better like actioned game, right? Um, Breath of the Wild, obviously a completely new take on Zelda. Super Mario Odyssey, like probably the best 3D Mario that we've had ever, right? Um, this game is good, but it is a Paper Mario game through and through. Um, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I think that to a lot of people, that's a really good thing. Um, it's it's fun. It's, you know, very like uh, uh, my first RPG when it comes to the RPG mechanics of, of the game. Um, you know, you're doing things like equipping accessories and looking for hearts for additional, you know, uh, HP increases and things like that. Um, but I, I think as is the case with any paper Mario game where it really shines is the humor and the writing. It's so funny right out of the bat. Like, um, I, I mean, I was like chuckling at it constantly, but there is a couple of parts. There's specifically one joke with a toad that made me laugh so hard that I had to like set the controller down. Like it, it's a very, very funny and very well localized game for sure. And it's also like gorgeous to look at. Um, some of the areas that you go to, uh, you know, there's a, uh, Shogun studios is like a Japanese themed, uh, television studio space where there's all these like different areas to interact with. And you know, like it's very, uh, it looks like a, like a Japanese temple and a, a little town outside of it. That's very cool. There's autumn Hills, <clears throat> which is also like similarly themed, but has like all these like uh, you know, red and gold and, and, uh, orange leaves everywhere and stuff. And it's just like, there, there are some places to that playing through the game, some locations where you stop and you're like, wow, this is a really great looking game in the same way that like, um, Yoshi's crafted world is like really interesting to look at. Cause it's all very handcrafted and very unique in the way that like, you can see the seams in the paper where it's been folded or the cardboard that makes up the coins and stuff like that. Like it's very, very clever and very cute. Yeah, Nintendo sure. Nintendo does a really good job with their first parties of like hi, and this is going to sound harsh but like hiding the the shortcomings of what the Switch can do graphically, right? Mm-hmm. Like but if you just went out to try to make a beautiful looking AAA high-end graphics game like let's say porting The Witcher to Switch, like you're obviously going to see what the switch can't do in a game like that but in like you said in crafted world in odyssey and breath of the wild apparently in origami king right that that is something that nintendo is so 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 good at is coming up with a style that doesn't make you even notice those rough edges because right. you're looking at other things right you're yeah. you're impressed by other things yeah like they're never going to do something photorealistic but this is right. this is equally visually appealing in a totally different way um you know and it's really it's really clever in that like in the same way that luigi's mansion is that there's tons of hidden interactivity all over the place like there are so many different things that you can you can look at or or take a closer inspection of or you know hit with your hammer and they'll react or or something (laughs) like that and it's you know it's really fun like all of the characters are are made of paper whether they're folded into origami or whether they're the like traditional 2d um paper characters from paper mario and like you can whack any of them with your hammer and they all will give you a different response and result and like um you know it's it's oftentimes they'll comment on it it's really funny um there's so there's like stuff hidden everywhere including toads you know, toads come and help you in battle. Like you can summon toads and they'll give you, uh, 
uh, health and they'll attack the enemies and like change the layouts of the environments and stuff uh, during the battles itself. And but like the way to increase that that stat essentially for those battles is to find toads hidden throughout the world. And there's toads hidden everywhere. Like there's there's just toads all over the damn place. It's it's wild. Like you find them hidden in all kinds of things, folded up into different objects. Like so it encourages you to go around and just be like hammering on everything <laughs> to try and see where toads are gonna pop out, which I really loved. Um, the battle system is really unique. I'm sorry. Uh, you have to talk amongst yourself for one second while I plug in my computer. I didn't yeah. realize it was going to die. Okay. <laughs> I did. When he comes back, I did want to ask, like, is it a Korok seed situation with the toads? Right. Oh, we'll, we'll get that answer when he comes well, back. Well, it's funny too, because that's also a thing they did in the Pokemon DLC recently, right? Mm -hmm. They did, the um, Diglett. yeah, with the Diglets thing, the, the mm -hmm. Alolan Diglets that you can find all around. So maybe Nintendo is, is doing more of that. They're doing these like, hide little dudes everywhere because it works so well in breath of the wild but did it though i mean did you actually enjoy <laughs> finding over 900 korok seeds i, know, I, korok seed situation? I found so, like 180 of them and i was totally pleased and had absolutely no desire to go find that's that's a really interesting comparison because like uh i feel the same way about the toads as i did feel about the koroks in breath of the wild and that like if i find one by happenstance like if i just happen to find one great but if i miss one or two you know like it's not that big a deal i got an item later in the game uh in paper mario that like it's a little bell that will ding when you're close to a toad and that <laughs> bell is like constantly going off and i'm just like well <laughs> if it's not just readily apparent where he is i'm not going to go look for them like it's fine i already have enough of these guys um i, I should talk about yeah yeah it's an accessory so you can cool. equip it or or yeah take it off like yeah um but uh the the battle system is really interesting this time around it's like a really neat mix of like uh a quick puzzle solving and actual like paper mario battles so like you know all the battles take place on this giant uh circle this segmented circle and so your first task in any battle like your enemies come in and they scatter all over the, the circle and it's your job to rotate each concentric circle or move them vertically across the circle um, to line them up, right? Like either in groups of four or in straight lines. And in their, if they're in straight lines, then you can jump across them. And if they're in groups of four, you can use your hammer and attack them. And so sometimes you'll have like, you know, 12 enemies on screen and you'll have to figure out in two or three moves how to get them all clustered together in a specific way. So it's really tricky, um, especially the later you get into the game, you know, they'll scatter those enemies. And sometimes the solution is really readily apparent. Like you, it's like, oh, it's just these two moves, no big deal. And then sometimes it's like, oh, I, I'm not entirely sure and I'll have to attack separate groups at different times. Um, so that's really interesting. But then the, the best part about the game, hands down, is the boss battles. Um, and it, the boss battles are a little different. They're kind of backwards to how the regular battles play out in that, all the regular battles, Mario's in the middle and all the enemies are around him and you have to line them up on the outside. But for boss battles, the bosses are in the middle and Mario starts on the outside and it's your job to rotate the circles to create a path for Mario to get to the boss in the middle and then attack. And so like the first boss is really clever. It's this giant turtle boss. And so you have to move mario in a way lay out these arrows on the the play field kind of like in choo choo rocket like you have to lay out these areas to guide your uh to guide mario to the turtle's hind legs or the turtle's tail or the turtle's head and do specific attacks at these different points um 
and it makes those boss battles like really frantic and and really fun uh i kind of came away from it wishing that more of the battles were like the boss battles and less of the like Mm -hmm. uh regular battles because the boss battles are just so much more engaging and and require so much more planning and and thought um but the battle system is neat i liked that a lot the music is killer god the music absolutely slaps um (laughs) especially like there's there's two types of battles regular battles there's just like a standard battle and then a wave battle where you'll fight multiple waves of enemies and the wave battle theme is like this insane like japanese metal riff with like all these like funny little mario voices going off and like it's (laughs) really really and it happens at the very beginning of the game it's very cool um but yeah i like it i think it's it's good um i'm excited to play more of it uh i think that the the you know like i said the characters and the writing are really funny um and if you're a paper mario fan i feel like this is going to be right up your alley um but if you're looking for a kind of a reimagining of that genre or like a return to like the thousand year door era paper mario i think you might you might be left a little wanting but um cool game i'm having a good time with it awesome zach thank you so much for that awesome summary and preview of paper mario the origami king that game comes out on july 17th for the nintendo switch and i'm sure we will be talking about it a lot more once everyone else has played it yeah now let's move on to some more news seth you brought up this game to me i was unaware (laughs) there's this game called panzer paladin coming out on the nintendo switch on july 21st and it's made by tribute studios Mm -hmm. tell us more well it looks awesome i played this game at pax east 2018 and it was very early and even then i said wow this game is extremely my jam it's pixel art it's like nes style um i think don't quote me on this don't put me on the box but i think this has the potential to be like another shovel knight just because of the charm of it and how many sort of old nes games sort of smashes together like uh tom and i were speaking earlier about it it looks like mega man x boss battles meets like blaster master meets uh oh i can't even remember the name of the game now it's from irem metal storm where it has like gravity switching um there you can like make your own swords in this like uh pixel art editor and then you know you can go swinging around your own custom swords i'm sure that will not be abused horribly so was so excited this morning when he sent this new trailer to me for Panzer Paladin. Yeah. And like, uh, it looks really cool. The thing that that struck me that I said to you also was like, it it looks kind of like somebody took those sequences in Mega Man X where you can jump, you can steal a mech from an enemy and jump in the mech, and like just made a whole game out of that mechanic, but way expanded. Like, so I, yeah, I'm I'm really I'm agree. It, it looks neat. Yeah, cool. it looks it's it's a mech game but it's also an old school platformer and it just looks, it looks gorgeous. Like you absolutely, you should absolutely look at this game, like at the gameplay trailer of it. And from what I played two and a half years ago in Boston, it was very fun back then. And uh, I'm, I, it was like a surprise that it's even coming out. It was just like today they announced it. Hey, July 21st, you're going to get this cool game for your switch. Uh, Enjoy yourselves, folks. Here's a gift from we tribute studios to you, the fans of mech. Action. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the so, heads up on this cool game that we get to look forward to. I'm very excited. Well, the fans of Mick. Speaking of things to look forward to, um, <laughs> d- July Nintendo Switch Online games have been announced, and one of them Woo-hoo. is Donkey Kong Country. 
did I just say Kong Kong Donkey Kong there's no con going on with this this is true God. it's all true guys Donkey Kong Country is I love that game I played it all the time yeah. Nintendo. Oh, yeah. so I am stoked for this to come to the Nintendo Switch I was I remember being so impressed about these graphics when I was oh a yeah kid, right you know you know like, who hates this game Jiro Miyamoto oh said, really yeah he's like Americans will just look at some nice graphics and that's all it takes for those for those people over there but it was that also might be apocryphal but he good? was not he didn't like the he didn't like it am i, I wrong saying. thinking that it was good no it's good i love donkey oh, kong country yeah. i played uh, so much donkey kong okay. country it started okay. my donkey mania i also love that it was, <laughs> it was yeah. i also love that it was co-op yes yeah yeah Actually, I played this game with my cousin, and he was very mean and convinced me that uh, only babies play Diddy Kong and convinced me to switch and play Donkey Kong instead. And then he started telling me how Diddy Kong was so much better, and he tricked me into getting it. And made, it was a terrible time. He was very mean. It's up. But it's fine. That's very messed up. Basically, yeah. he had me like begging to play the character I didn't have at all times. <laughs> it was a fun time. It was a genius <laughs> move. Yeah. <laughs> This game came out really late in the Super <laughs> NES cycle. So to do what they did graphically was basically the only way they could compete against like the PlayStation and the um, uh, Sega Saturn, which nobody really cared about anyway. But I mean, they just took pictures of computer generated graphics and used those to animate it. And it made it look like a CG generated game. It's very it's pretty brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very also, cool. It's just it just rules. Like, I love yeah. Donkey Kong Country. The fact that if you guys haven't played Donkey Kong Country, I, I'd even go as far as to say it holds up like it really, really does. It's a yeah. fun, fun platformer. And there's parts of it that are going to be uh, off putting the graphics rule. But as a result, the like hitbox of like when you're supposed to jump or when you'll fall off an edge is like way oh. less precise than we are used to in modern platformers. So like yeah. you're going to have to adjust to that. But like if you've yeah. never played it before, but it's so worth or, it. I think that can be great. Or if I may. Or just play Tropical Freeze, which is actually the best that. Donkey Kong game. Yeah, Tropical yeah. Freeze is one of the best platformers on the Switch. Yeah. yeah, that game rules. Why not both? And it has new yeah. funky mode. Yeah. Let's not forget about funky mode. And uh, funky we are mode also is babies. <laughs> See that, Zach. Play games however you want to. No, I know. Come on, right. you know that's true. <laughs> I know. Um, I also wanted to mention that Natsume Championship Wrestling is also coming with this pack, and so is the Immortal for NES. Um, and I also wanted to bring up that there was a special like classified information video by Nintendo, which included a bunch of cheats for Donkey Kong Country. And it's Sam actually pointed out that this is a callback to yeah. Nintendo Power Section, which had cheats. Yep. And it's really cool. And they're really helpful, awesome cheats, like starting with 50 lives and having a bonus practice area. We could play with all of the different animals that you can kind of, I don't know, summon yeah in <laughs> that's, pretty country. <laughs> that's pretty interesting do you think that they did that in lieu of uh the bonus modes like they did for zelda and metroid you know like they you think that they oh. just like you know because like yeah. zelda you could start with oh, like a yeah. bunch of rupees and the white sword and you know like you think that nintendo put out this funny video as a way to be like oh and also you can play donkey kong but here is a leg up it's the funky mode that we didn't even know they included and it feels more classic because it's funky mode yeah it's very cool man yeah um look forward to those games on july 15th with your nintendo switch online subscription and very quickly i wanted to mention the world ends with you uh the animation is coming 
And this is a DS game by Square Enix. Uh, you might recognize it. They made a cameo in some of the Kingdom Hearts games it's coming in 2021. The anime will be a retelling of the original game with some expanded scenes. And I'm super excited about this because the game story is awesome. And I always thought it would make an incredible anime. So super stoked for that. I have it's it really somewhere <laughs> here in my collection unopened because I was like, oh, this game is speaking my language. And I bought it and I just uh, never played. So I might good. have the Switch version, too. Somewhere. Yeah, I know <laughs> it's better on the DS. Oh, really? Oh, OK. Yeah, but still well, good on the Switch, but better on the DS. Sitting right over there. Or I got my backups behind me, so I'm good. It's it's such a funny thing to bring back as an animated show because it, it it's got like you said the story is good and the aesthetic is wonderful, mm -hmm. but like it's just like I don't I don't feel like there's a ton of people like it doesn't it, like it's not a game that like elicits like massive crowd support I guess is the way I'm trying to say it like even though it's well loved it's just mm -hmm. like it's not one I would think that they'd like try to bank on the name of I guess is the right way mm -hmm. to put it which is sort of funny to me. Could you yeah. fill me in on the story? Is it some teens fighting at a mall? Is that what the what? Basically, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um what? God, how do I how do I explain it without spoiling anything? I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to tell you <laughs> about the story without spoiling it. But some teens having a fight over it's, fashion. It's You'll have to watch and find you out. You'll have to watch Whoa. and find out. It's set in modern Shibuya, and there are fantasy supernatural shenanigans going on cool okay well now and you've got to complete challenges in order to not die all right there no spoilers there you go get out of the cellophane wrapper also the different <laughs> fashion you wear affects your uh I, okay so it is teen uh shopping <laughs> rpg okay you also got that too yeah okay it's, cool. it's really cool i i really enjoy it a lot um, it. and lastly i just wanted to bring this up as well um we got some reports that some voice actors had finished recording their lines for Breath of the Wild 2, but there is an update on that. It appears our initial report about the work on the Spanish voice acting for Breath of the Wild 2 missed some nuance about the language used in the original ah. interview. While some had taken Navarro and Alfonso's words to mean that they have either started or finished their work on the game, they do not confirm that, that fact during the interview. Indeed, the tone of the interview implies that they may even have been joking about their work on the sequel. As such, the interview can't be taken as guidance on the status of the voiceover work, nor as guidance on how far through the development the game may be. Hmm. Translations are tricky in some. <laughs> so, yeah, unfortunately, Breath of the Wild 2 isn't actually close to being finished, as everyone it's... assumed based on that interview. I saw a tweet that said something along the lines of, like, the guy just finished going... <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go those are, called, those are called efforts they're called what I, th I believe they're called efforts when you're recording like those kind of sound effects oh, when you're, when you're in the VO booth I think, uh, yeah, I think they're called recording efforts when you do like a yeah that was good. That was that's, really good actually that's a great effort. I've been great recording effect. some efforts recently <laughs> as you can see <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah well the, this funny thing about this is like we're we're basically just back to where we were which is like we don't know what Nintendo's doing <laughs> right like yeah it's like an evergreen statement yeah yeah <laughs> but like i i mean they, they could be you know again i think it is still completely realistic to think that maybe and i i do think this is less likely now with covid and that stuff but like i think possibly this game is coming out this holiday and we just haven't been told about it yet i would be willing to bet that's no longer the case i'm not quite as confident in that as i was just because of the way this year has been but like it could be that 
it could be two years away. We literally don't know. We just yeah. gotta wait for whatever their their what would have been E3 Direct will be. Yeah. Literally no clue, but I hope that E3 Direct comes soon. So we just talked about some news, including the announcement date for Panzer Paladin, some Nintendo Switch online games announced, including Donkey Kong Country, The World Ends With You Animation, and some Breath of the Wild 2 news. But let's move on to some games out this week, including Superliminal out on the 7th for $20. Uh, Tommy said this is a first-person puzzle game that messes perspective in wild and unique ways. Like, yeah. Ah. So we nominated this game for one of our uh, in our list of best puzzle games of 2019. Um, and it's one I totally, totally recommend if you're a fan of anything like Portal or uh, oh, God, what is the name of that game? Now I'm totally blanking anti. I know exactly what game you're talking about, and I can't ah. remember the name. But that's a great game. Anti-Chamber. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Anti-Chamber. Uh, Talos Principle, any of those first-person puzzle games, it's it's one like that. But the cool thing about this one is, like, if you pick up a mug on a table and then, like, move it so that it looks like, perspective-wise, it's far away and actually very large and then let go, the mug will be that large in the room. So, like, there's all these weird sort of perspective-messing uh, ideas in this game, that, and it's just really, really... It's a very unique game. I don't think you'll have played a puzzle game like it if you're into other, other puzzle games like that. Cool. And speaking of puzzle games, we got Catherine Full Body out this week, out on the 7th for $50. And it is an expanded version of the original Catherine, which came out for the 360 and PS3. Oh, oh man, when was that? years ago. It was like 2011. Yeah, 2011. Yes, you are correct. 2011. And um, it is an expanded version of Catherine. I actually previewed this last year and saw it some of it at E3. I got some E3 swag that <laughs> I'm excited about. Let's see if I can fit these under my headphones. Kind of. There you go. I got some. Nice. Those look nice. Good work. No, <laughs> it's not going to work. But um, it's as Tom um, describes it, it's basically a persona style narrative game. But instead of RPG combat, you are solving block pulling puzzles to climb a tower. The story is bonkers and unique, and it's kind of, I don't even know if I can say it, but there's dating involved and romance, and I hate the main character, Vincent. He is trash, but it is a very, very good game and a fun story. And the gameplay is awesome. The um, fact it's that very, it's trash. also part of the point, right? Yeah, and it's also very, like, the story itself is, like, a very mature story, I think, compared yes. to Persona, which is obviously, like, more, like, high fantasy and, and mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. Like, this game is about uh cheating basically i think it's mm -hmm. about a cheater like, yeah. it's about cheating and adults growing up and settling down or not mm -hmm. and but also it, it's about block puzzles but also it's about oh, block yeah. puzzles and uh it does it does explore a lot of those questions and it actually has you answering questions about morality throughout the game and there's kind of a twist there's plenty of twists and it kind of i don't know it had me when i first played it in college it had me think a lot about those themes that it represented in the game how much did you say this was on switch fifty dollars hmm. it did come out for this version of the game came out in the ps4 and xbox one i think earlier this year or last year last year i think yeah yeah last year you are correct mm -hmm. and mitchell saltzman reviewed it he gave it an 8.8 .8 and says catherine is a timeless classic and full body does a great job at adding meaningful new content and plenty of small tweaks that breathe fresh life into it it's the perfect entry point for those who miss the 2011 original 
there we go. There's there's nice. the year that came out. But um, yeah, they introduced a whole <laughs> a whole new Catherine. Uh, there were once two Catherines, and now there are three. And it adds some extra story. And they did a few tweaks to kind of address some fan complaints from the first one. Fifty dollars for a whole new Catherine. I know, whole new Catherine. Fifty bucks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do highly I'll be recommend like, that. Also coming out this week is Crosscode out on the 9th for $20. And Tom, what do you have to say about this one? Uh, I have to say about Crosscode is, is play it. Just like, man, this game, it, it's it's kind of like a mana series style where it's like sort of yeah. isometric top-down action combat game. This is an RPG that is deceptively large. Like it could take you upwards of 80 hours to beat do all the side stuff. There, it, it can be much shorter than that if you're just like mainlining it. But it's like it's this indie RPG that I think flew under a ton of people's radars when it first came out uh in I think it was 2018. Yeah, the switch right. switchport has been like really um like anticipated i guess is the right word because it wasn't even supposed to ever be able to come to switch because the way they originally coded the game was like not portable basically so they had to the developers had to do a ton of work to get it onto switch um and yeah cross code is just like this is an extraordinarily easy recommendation from me especially at 20 dollars. it's a steal for this game so i'd i'd absolutely recommend it to people or at least into rpgs like this look at it check it out because it is it is worth your attention i talked about this game a few weeks ago on the show uh it's i'd describe it as like 16 plus bit right Ooh, where it's right. like it's like a super nes style game but it, like the pixel art is just absolutely insane it just looks gorgeous um i've been watching this one for a long time and been waiting for it to come out on the switch specifically so i can play it there so i'm i'm pretty stoked to get my little hooks in it yeah cool. i'm looking at this right now and uh these ones this I'm, I'm getting i'm getting my hooks sharpened up yeah, and it's everything yeah. too. The story is cool. Everyone, get your hooks ready. The music yeah. is great. The combat is great. Like it's just a cool game. It's a very, mm-hmm. very good game. For those That's of cool. you who are listening, Seth's eyes like face lit up when Tom was describing this game. <laughs> yeah, and then I looked at the like the pictures and stuff, and I was like, "This is my game." Like specifically, Seth, see those hooks. See the, the hooks are out, baby. <laughs> Doing one of they these, get some sparks, sharpen them up. Get that. I edge. like it. I like it. I like it. Sinking. You gotta come watch the video to see these hooks that they're 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 pulling out just for this yeah. game. For people at home, we're curling our fingers to simulate <laughs> hooks. They're if pretending to be velociraptors. Clever girl. Also coming out this week is Bloodstained: Curse of the Moon Two. We briefly <laughs> mentioned this previously. Zach is stoked. Are you gonna play this? Hell yeah! Are you kidding? The first the first first Bloodstained was so good. Uh, uh, so Ritual of the Night is the big boy version of Bloodstained, the uh, Igarashi-led one. But uh, cur- uh, I believe the first one was called Curse of the Moon. Yes. Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. Um, and that is an, an 8-bit NES style, uh, 8-bit plus, like in the same way that we were talking about uh, CrossCode, where it, it is like an a NES style Castlevania game. Uh, you yeah. can switch between four characters. This game has new characters to play as, but um, man, that first that first game as a precursor to Ritual of the Night was like one of my favorite games of 2018. Oh, and then Ritual of the Night was on nearly the top of my list last year. So, you know, these games are right up my alley. And this game is, is this also Inti Creates? I believe it is. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah, sweet. Those guys are great. Yeah, they do yeah. great stuff. And this one is out on the 10th, and it's only fifteen dollars. So if you like uh, Metroidvanias or Castle Castlevania ish likes. 
Castlevania. Yeah, it's it's more it's more NES Castlevania than I feel like it's like Metroidvania. But the yeah. cool the cool thing about the last one uh, about Circle of the Moon or I'm sorry, Curse of the Moon was uh, you had to switch characters to get through different environments and stuff. You know, like some characters had different abilities, so you had to switch on the fly between these characters. But then they all shared sort of one. Uh, cohesive health bar so like all four characters had to die before you got a game over so ah, such a cool game can't wait for this next one that's a really cool i don't know like i don't want to call it a gimmick just what are you a gameplay mechanic for? gameplay mechanic there you go thanks seth i don't know get what's the hooks out right today but it's fine <laughs> i'm ready <Hooks> out. <laughs> also hey, coming I, out. new t-shirt design and new new out. <laughs> no also coming out this week is Deadly Premonition 2, A Blessing in Disguise, out on the 10th for $50. It is a sequel to the cult classic detective game. But I have some news. Um, our reviewer, Tristan, uh, I've never Ogilvy. said his name. Tristan Ogilvy. Thanks. I think you helped me out for, with that one last time, too. Ogilvy, uh, someday I will remember how to pronounce your last name. I'm so sorry, Tristan. But uh, he gave it a 5 out of 10. Oof. And... This is what he has to say. Deadly Premonition 2 isn't good, nor is it so bad that it's good like its predecessor. It's something much, much worse. It's mediocre. And that's too bad. I'm certainly grateful for the chance to spend some more time with the eccentric and ever-enthusiastic Francis York Morgan because he remains one of the funniest and most unique lead characters in all of gaming. But I found myself less tolerant of Deadly Premonitions 2's technical issues and half-baked combat this time around, and its central mystery is ridiculous without ever going far enough off the rails to be truly surprising or memorable. Uh, well, yeah, I haven't had an opportunity to play this game. You know, the first one is a cult classic, but I did, I did look at Tristan's review, and man, that frame rate is oof, something else, man, especially yeah. for a 2020 game. It, it, it doesn't look great, and like... Granted, I think IGN gave the original a two or a three, and that game is still one of the most beloved, you know, one of the most beloved cult games, I think, of all time. So this one still has the potential to do that. But like as a nuts and bolts game, you know, it's a bummer to hear that it's only a, a five out of ten. Yeah, yeah I, I thought Jim Sterling actually put it really uh -oh. well. Huh? There what? we go. Yeah, I'm, OK, oh, no, no, <laughs> so, no, no. I saw him. I saw Jim Sterling put it really well, where he basically was saying, like, there are things about the way Swery makes games that are like very intentionally janky, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is his intentional design style in a lot of cases, but stuff like frame rate is like just wrong. Like that's not part of that, right? Like you can appreciate parts of deadly premonition that are like stupid or like jank as like, this sort of hokey thing and that's fine that's great but like if the game doesn't run well that's not really like a like a style that's just sort of a failing of the performance <laughs> of the game right yeah so disappointment i'm sure we'll talk about it more once more of us have played it because even though it's got bad reviews i assume some of us might still check it out we'll see i was hoping maybe brian would would check it out but we'll get back to it <laughs> i'm sure brian i'm sure brian is playing it right now yeah <laughs> yeah and, um, <laughs> so we just talked about games out this week, including Superliminal, Catherine Full Body, Crosscode, and Deadly Premonition 2, A Blessing in Disguise. Now, I want to move on, but do you, any of you have a game you're playing that you really want to talk about? I'd like to talk about Paper Mario, the Oregon. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. 
Cool. So then let's move on to question block, where we answer our audience members' questions. And this first question is from Sonny Vaughn, or Sonny Vaughn, one of those two. And he says, at what age do you think it's appropriate to introduce kids to proper video games, not just tablet teddy bear games? And which games would you start with? I'm thinking Super Mario Bros. Yes, the first one, and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe with all the assists on for my two-year-old daughter. Uh, two-year-old's probably a little too young, not because I think it's going to like rot her precious <laughs> little brain or anything, but I think like she just won't really comprehend it and it might not be fun or fresh and it might end up being frustrating. I would say maybe three or four when my son, my oldest son, who is 16 now, uh, when he was four, we old enough played. to drive a Mario Kart. He's old enough to drive a <laughs> Mario Kart. But he's not old enough to throw a banana peel. It's no. weird laws that we have. That's right. Can't throw <laughs> a banana. Can't throw a banana peel until you're 21, kids. That's exactly correct. You can go to the service, fight for your country, but you can't throw banana peels. Um, what, what was I saying? Oh yeah, when he, when he was four, we played. He and I played Lego Star Wars two together, and I think that was like the perfect game because it was a co-op game, and he was more interested in just making R two fall off cliffs and scream because he every time over and over again and it he just like had the most fun with that so i would say uh, super mario brothers also or any of those classic games are great for kids to play because they were so simple for the most part that anybody can pick them up and play them and then bonus your your little sweet daughter will grow up with an amazing appreciation of classic gaming like my i've instilled in my children Mm -hmm. Um, I guess Mario Kart with all the assists on for a two-year-old will be fine because <laughs> it just basically plays itself. But you know, yeah. some of my earliest memories—I must have been—I must have been two or three. Was sitting on the floor in a living room with my dad and watching either Gilligan's Island or playing Super Mario World on the nice. Super Nintendo, and that—that that was my first game, and I still remember it it's it's kind of blurry i mean i was super young but um i completely agree seth i think mario games are a perfect introduction or any sort of platformers because i mean you go right and you jump over things the mechanics are simple enough for even two and three-year-olds to kind of get the hang of as long as they play it a couple times with you by their side to help guide them yeah i i also i the very first video game that i remember playing seriously was super mario brothers 3 and I was probably five or six by the time I was playing that. And, you know, those games do a really nice job of introducing like simple mechanics at first and then gradually building on the stuff that you understand. Now, I don't have any children myself, um, but when I do, my plan is to start uh, with the classics. Um, so I'll be pl- having them play Dark Souls Remastered on yeah. the Twitch. <laughs> Just get them right in there and teach them what's what. Perfect. Great advice. <laughs> Tom, did you want to expand on games great for great for kids? No, I feel like a baby. I don't want to really talk about what I think babies should play. That Tom's is Tom's out here talking babies having babies, man. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So this next question is from Evan Bedoff, and they ask which genre is lack- lacking the most on the Switch. Hmm. That's a great question. Because there are some that are like just lacking on consoles in general, like RTS games, right? Like that's that's coming up a little bit more on the Switch now, but like for me, it would probably just be like more first person stuff. Like, I don't necessarily know what 
like specifically a genre in that because there are good shooters right like there's there's wolfenstein doom overwatch yeah there are good yeah. shooters in first person there it's just like i don't think of a lot of like i don't know i i think like like bigger first person adventure games i i think are maybe missing to a certain extent but maybe i'm just not thinking about them right now you know it would be a great first person adventure game metroid prime 4 uh yeah that's or the metroid genre prime trilogy Metroid yeah. Prime. Metroid that's Prime. <laughs> yeah. Someday. I, I think that that e- this is not maybe my favorite genre, but if I could speak for our uh, uh, friend Per Schneider, racing games. I feel like we have a yeah. general lack of racing games. Um, there are a few interesting Sims and a few interesting kart racers, but for the most part, I think like racing games are are sorely missing on the switch oh we did just get burnout paradise um you know it is uh, subject to the switch tax at the moment but huh. hopefully that'll come down eventually because uh, that's a really great arcade racer but yeah i feel like there could be more uh you know like hardcore racing games on the switch until we get analog triggers man there's not yeah, really that's a good point that's a good point it's a tough yeah. tough genre to do yeah mm-hmm. there's really no, not a lot of fighting games on the, mm-hmm. the Nintendo Switch. I mean, what do you need more fighting games for when you have Smash? Uh, I'm I mean, kidding. I'm sorry. Sure. <laughs> I'm not. I I always wanted to be a fighting game guy, but I'm so bad at them, so I'm not really <laughs> advocating yeah. very well for uh, it. But... And there, there are exceptions to all those, right? Like right, Zach brought a bunch of shooters. There is Mario Kart or Mortal Kombat 11, but like, yeah. The, uh, well, there's also there's also the Street Fighter collection on Switch, which right. is a phenomenal very value. good yeah. yeah and really really good yeah so yeah i think you guys all spoke my mind as well so we'll leave it at that uh it needs more racing games and some more fighting games but as tom mentioned kind of need analog triggers for the racing games so we'll uh we'll wait and see for that maybe we'll get a new controller joy-con two. probably not joy-con 2 pro controller Two. No drift. Didn't we already have a pro controller for the Wii U, though? Anyway, it's fine. Whatever. This next question is from David Opinko, and he asks, what's your favorite game on Switch that you feel is underrated? For me, it's Dragon Quest Builders 2. It's a great game that, even when it came out, I had I hardly heard anyone talking about. You know, and I have to agree with him. Dragon Quest Builders 2 was actually really fun, and it, I, I got, it, it got its hooks in me, so I guess that doesn't, that doesn't work. But... <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun with it when I had time to play it when it first came out. And I always I keep meaning to revisit it. And it, what about you guys? What are what are some of your favorite games you think are severely underrated? So many. This <laughs> question hurts my brain because so many, many things, like so many things come out on Switch now that like there are so many good games that just kind of fall under the radar sometimes. So like I- I'll start with this. If you haven't played Return of the Obra Dinn yet, play return of the Din. that's a good one that's what i was gonna say tom <laughs> sorry damn that's all right yeah that that's that one jumps out to me is like man that game is good and mm-hmm. flew under so many people's radar because of i think honestly the way it looks like it is it is a hard game to sell and a hard game to look at especially in screenshots when it's not moving so like a hard game to look at it it is it's it's very like sam sam claiborne said that he had to stop playing Oberdin because it was giving him a headache like uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I, I sympathize with right i'm not i'm not throwing shade at that it's it's one bit it's literally one bit so yeah but uh yeah play over din man 
Um, okay, another Switch uh, game that I feel like is underrated that we didn't talk about a ton. Well, Brian, Brian talked about it a little bit, but I feel like it's uh, uh, not been brought up a lot since is Minute. Uh, Minute yeah. is a very cool uh, take on, on you know, traditional Zelda game where you only have a minute to play and you, you keep, uh, you know, repeating the same things. It's kind of, it's a little bit roguelike. It's a little bit Zelda. Like it's a very, very cool concept and uh, just kind of a really funny game once you get into the whole conceit of it. I like that game a lot. I also wanted, I've already brought this up many times before, but Room Factory 4 Special is very good on the Switch. I know it was originally <laughs> a 3DS game, but I just want to throw it out there again. Seth, what about you? I think uh, the, the- the switch version of cave story is super super good it's basically the definitive version of cave story and if you haven't played cave story do yourself a favor go grab it on switch if you can find it because it's it's a wonderful delightful game and it has some incredible music and you can change the soundtracks around on the uh, on the switch version to whichever one you you like the best oh that's cool yeah cave story is such a good game it's such a good game God, that game's like ex- extremely old now too yeah but it's yeah it's worth it, it you haven't picked it up yet I, i'd go so far as to call it a classic at this point like yeah. honestly like that yeah that game is killer i, I thought of another one as well nine parchments did anybody play nine parchments no uh, uh, uh tommy yeah yeah i think you and i played a little bit at, at the office but nine parchments is a very That's cool a sort game. of it's it's like a co-op diablo kind of game where yeah. you're in an isometric oh. i think i think it's the team behind torchlight Tom, do you remember oh, okay. if that's true? Um, it's some connection there. It's a yeah. similar game. I don't remember exactly though. It's a it's an isometric kind of hack and slash. Um, but you can do really cool stuff. Like one person can shoot, you know, lightning beams, and the other person can reflect it onto enemies. Like you do like a lot of team ups and stuff. It's a really cool sort of dungeon crawler, like uh, like a Diablo, um, but with a twist. Really fun to play in co op. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the question, David. And our last question for this week is from James Gold. And they ask, last week, Brian mentioned long games as being a barrier to replayability. I'm in the same boat. Hollow Knight is one of my favorite games of recent years, but I haven't gone back to it as much as the Metroid franchise due to length. What are your favorite games around 12 hours or less to revisit? And before we start this question, Tom, how long is Hollow Knight? Uh, the first time it took me to beat it took me 30 hours, and then I spent another six hours hitting 100%. Uh, and since then, they've added four or five DLCs that I think have extended the length of the game by at least 10. Oh so goodness. if you want 100% that game, it's probably about 40 to 50 hours. If you wanted to just beat it, it, it like just playing it, not worrying about like getting to the one of the, the not true endings, if you want to get technical about it, is probably like 15, maybe. Um, so it's it's it can be, but then you're missing so much of the meat of the game. But yeah, it's a long game. All in, it's a long game. Um, I don't want to derail the conversation, but Go I'm gonna it. because I just saw a Wall Street Journal headline that says that Japanese theme parks have banned screaming on roller coasters because it spreads the coronavirus, <laughs> and have asked their uh, participants to please scream inside your heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2020. <laughs> screaming inside your heart. Scream inside your heart uh 12 hour games uh i would i would throw my hat in one of the games i like replaying that's doesn't take long to like technically beat is celeste um man i love that game it's got a lot of built-in things of you know timing yourself and the golden strawberries that show up if you beat all the b-sides too it's like there's there's a lot to do in that game but it's one of those ones that 
you can really lightly just dip back into and just like play the chapters that you like. Tom, you reviewed that game. What uh, what score did you give that game? I don't remember, actually. It was a while uh, ago. OK, that's fair. I gave it a 10. He gave it a 10. <laughs> that's a very good game. Celeste is a very good recommendation. Um, I... Go for it, Zach. Brian, Brian said it last week, but um, he mentioned Resident Evil 4. But I think oh, there's a lot cool. of Resident Evil games on the Switch that are about that same length uh, that are totally worthwhile. Um, and specifically the original Resident Evil, I feel like you can blow through in about the same amount of time and uh, maybe even shorter than that. And yeah, if you beat are, it in three hours, you get to replay it with the uh, missile launcher with Infinity. That's right. um, yeah, I feel like that's that's probably something that those games I go back to like pretty frequently. So yeah, I would that? say all of the uh like all the classic nes games like i play Mega Man 2 through like at least once a year i go through ducktales like once a year because ducktales is also one of my favorite games uh you could play the original legend of zelda in under 12 hours like you could just sit down and just make a day of it i mean why not what are you gonna do otherwise you're not going to the beach go play the legend of zelda the original <laughs> one it's on nintendo switch online anyway it's 20 bucks That's a year. true yeah I, I am drawing a blank on favorite games that are not long as heck. Like I, <laughs> I, I I'll, a lot of my favorite games are just really beefy. And I guess um, I really liked the the complete first season of The Walking Dead by Telltale. I think that mm-hmm. is right around 12 hours, if I'm remembering correctly. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the Telltale, if you play an entire season, um, and also Life is Strange was also kind of on the short end, but these are all story based games. So I don't know how often you would want to go back and replay them because the whole drawing point to them is the story. So unless mm, you it's been many point. years, I don't know if you'd want to go back and replay it again, even though there are choices that you can make. But I don't know. I usually don't go back and replay story games. I just kind of like look up what I missed out on online. <laughs> so honestly, I don't replay a lot of games. Probably no. the, the yeah. game I've replayed the most in recent years, weirdly, is uh, Sinar Wild Hearts, because that game is like two hours long and just is an absolute jam. So it's just like really fun to God, that replay that like one. So good. Yeah. 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 As to, I don't know. As a kid, I replayed games all the time because as a kid, I couldn't buy my own game. So I kind of was stuck right. with the <laughs> handful that I had. So if I got bored, I'd restart a game. Like I remember I started a new game in like Pokemon red or blue just to for fun and then i didn't think about it and saved and i was just like oh well i just saved over Ooh. my save that's fine i guess i'll just do this again but as a kid it was like i had the time so right I yeah, yeah i used to do that with a lot of like square rpgs on the playstation one where i just play them like over and over and over again like, yeah yeah so when you restart your save it's fine but if someone else erases your save it's it's, it's a bummer not. it's yeah. a super big bummer don't do that <laughs> yeah but that is about all the time we have left for Nintendo Voice Chat. Thank you so much for listening and or watching. And remember, you can catch NBC every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific time on your favorite podcasting platform. And remember, Nintendo Voice Chat is the only place you can scream inside your heart. <laughs> Get the thing. <laughs>Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.